welcome to The Revs Rachel, the podcast wherein we are two aforementioned Revs Rachel doing a podcast at this time, yes. uh, Shit's Creek. And we are we are in season two. We are in the thick of it. Yeah, we were just talking about that. I, we were booking along. These seasons are short. Would you like to introduce? Oh, they yeah, are. Sorry. They are. And they're snappy. Go, so introduce yourself. Yeah. My, hi, my I am I am Rachel Harrison. I am the priest in charge of St. Paul's Episcopal Church in Mount Vernon, Ohio, which is right down the road from the Reverend Rachel Kessler. I am the rector of Harcourt Parish in Gambier, Ohio, and chaplain at Kenyon College here in lovely rural Ohio, where spring is springing. I meant to tell you this. Nice. Uh, oh, so I yes. was going through, and these were old. This was before I had ever thought that I might wind up in this area, but I was going through some of my old history notes looking for something. I don't know why, but old seminary um, Episcopal Church history class. And I had a note in there specifically, um, I'll have to, I'll have to show you a screenshot of it, but it was a bunch of notes about why there's still a chaplaincy at Kenyon College. <laughs> well, it was very funny. I need to know about that because for a long time, there was not a chaplaincy at Kenyon College. So yeah, that's I'm, why... like, I'm like resurrecting the chaplaincy after it was dormant for like 30 years. Well, and that was actually part of the conversation is that my professor, I think he had actually looked it up because he was looking at... Um, we were talking about Philander Chase, who, yeah. for everyone who does not know, Philander Chase is, uh, he was this amazing Episcopal church planner who basically- But everyone hated him. He was also kind of a jerk. He was kind of a jerk, but he, he was- got the, run out at, we sing about him at Kenyon, but he lasted here for like two years before they ran amazing. him out of town, which but, I love. He, it's my but favorite I think, thing about Kenyon history. It's really great. I, the thing I love about Philander Chase is he's one of those people who I think we can definitively say was a jerk. The historical record is pretty I mean, clear on so that. I mean, so was Paul, I probably. Think, if you exactly. want to, like, so was probably Paul. He was the jerk that we needed. Um, <laughs> one of the things that I think is really funny is that when I when I first came here, uh, the same professor, um, D- Dan Jocelyn Simatowski, who's the okay. history professor at Seminary of the Southwest, he... Um, immediately asked me, oh, the church that you're at, you should check and find out if it was founded by Philander or Chase. Um, Interestingly, we are one of the few churches in central Ohio that does not have really any connection to Philander Chase. We kind of why, And that is why Harcourt Parish and St. Paul's will never be joined. It's super They are irreconcilable parishes. Well, it's, it's just, it's fascinating because I was like, yeah, there must be some connection. And the best that we have is that at one point, I think his mother-in-law attended here. We actually can verify that historically. Well, if, um, if you get, like, my my great parishioner, the, the great Perry Lentz, for anyone yes. out there, for, for any, like, weird Kenyan alum who happens upon this podcast, you know who Perry Lentz is. But he is the um, retired English professor in, like, Kenya, just, like, a figure of Kenyoniana. And uh, which is a term. We have a person on staff at Kenyon who is called the keeper of Kenyoniana. Just because we are a weird, we are a silly place, as Monty Python says of Camelot in uh, Monty Python, the Holy Grail. Don't come to Kenyon. It is a silly place. But um, so this parishioner of mine, who's a former Kenyan professor who does all this church history stuff in his free time, will talk about Harcourt and St. Paul's and how we are famously low church, which is really ironic because like I'm the Anglo-Catholic and you're the much more low church evangelical type. But Harcourt is, you know, has this history of all of these like highly evangelical low church bishops 
uh, and and figures in the Episcopal Church who really invested in it. And St. Paul's is much more like just the architecture of your church is is far more high church Anglo-Catholic. Like I can see it being a very different spirituality than what Philander Chase in his church planting ways was about. Well, you're... Harcourt Parrot, the the building is fascinating yeah. because oh, for sure. one of the things that I've been teaching at my parish is that our church it was not designed with this or the 79 prayer book doesn't work well in our space. No. Our no. current prayer book. And it's fine. I mean it's not like that's a problem, but I mean it's just it was not designed the no. ideal as we learned in seminary, like the ideal church or structure is not what we have. And there's, because of the way our church is built, there's not a whole lot we can do about it, even if we wanted to without sacrificing a lot of space. Your church though, which it was built in what? 1820s? No, it's actually a much later. It's just post, I think it's like 1870 ish or something. It's post the the church built. Kenyon is older, but the chapel building itself currently is like post civil war. And see, that's perfect. Your church was built 100 years before the mm. 79 prayer book, and it is perfectly yeah. designed for it. It is actually. It's very amazing. True. It's and if really anyone out there is listening, if anyone out there is listening, just, just to try to bring any threads of strange listeners we may or may not have on our podcast, we may just be speaking into the void. If so, hello, void. Um, yes. But the uh, my church is the church upon which that John Green uh, author and fellow alumnus of Kenyon College yes. based the church from the Faulkner Stars in. So the description <gasps> of the ch- oh, you didn't know that, yeah. So the description no. of the church I mean, in the Faulkner Stars is <laughs> my church, and even the circular driveway outside and the way the altar is because, sh- like, our altar is the church pews face each other, and the altar is like there's a very circular chancel around the altar. It's lovely. I love our church. It's great. Um. And then the the room below the altar, which is in the literal heart of Jesus because of the cross-shaped church. Um, and so I, the, the John Green moment, I feel like, I feel like the wave of John Green-ness coincided with like my first couple years here. And I don't really get prospective students wandering around the chapel looking for the literal heart of Jesus anymore. But like my first couple years here, that happened not infrequently is people That's coming amazing. by my office like wanting to find the literal heart of Jesus. So That's this is our, cool. this is a, our, a lovely tangent upon which yeah, to start Yeah, we need to get podcast. John Green on. <laughs> he follows me on Twitter. Does That's he? I was qu- going to, that surprise me. Well, I met him when he came uh, to do the, the first year I was, my first graduation here uh, when I came back as chaplain, he was the grad, the commencement speaker. Ah, so and he was confirmed. I've I my record. My fun fact is like he's in our our parish records because he was confirmed into the Episcopal Church here at Harcourt Parish. That's awesome. Uh, Will and I are big fans of his Crash Course History series. Oh, it's fantastic! Totally geeking out. If um, I've never I've never read Fault in Our Stars. It's okay. I should. I like I I like his I like his online content more than I like his. Can I say? shouldn't say that yeah. if, but i mean well, it's not for i like us, right? no it's true it's true it is not for us we are not the demographic i right. but i i find his online all of all of the green brothers online content oh crash course um, history is fabulous really i recommend it to prisoners all the time and i partly couch it as he's an episcopalian and he says he it is. in the episodes um, well he he actually when he came back this was before i returned to work here but i've seen this clip and for a while my again i think the john green like the height of the john green Mm -hmm. moment has passed 
Um, so I don't know how effective this would be anymore, but uh, we were wanting to like cut it out of the archived recording of his talk at Kenyon because someone asked him like what the most underutilized resource on campus was. Ooh. And he said in the podcast, like 10 to 11 a.m. in the Church of the Holy Spirit on Sunday mornings. Nice. <laughs> Which was awesome. Oh, that's so um, cool. Yeah, you need to like put that on your website but, somewhere. Yeah. Like just as a pull quote. Yep. Um, officially endorsed. Officially <laughs> endorsed by that. John Green. Yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic. Anyway. Oh, I love that. I love that we, yeah. we, we were like deep into like high church, low church, and then brought it back to pop culture. <laughs> love it. Uh, this is, it's, this it's is great. what we do. This is yeah. the content you're here for friends. Um, should we, should we try to talk about Shit's Creek? I don't know. Oh, yeah, I will say, let's do it. So I was going to say before, right before we started recording, I was telling Rachel that my Netflix was out of whack um, with where I was in the episode because I was trying to be so good. I was trying to be so good and follow along and not watch any like, while we were doing this podcast, I was not going to watch any episodes out of order so I could follow the story as it unfolded more faithfully. And then I was just I was just having having a time and I needed to watch. I needed to watch some later episodes to warm, to warm the it. deep cockles. And I feel like anyone out there who knows, like, plot developments of later seasons can appreciate, can appreciate why you just sometimes need to watch some of those later episodes to just fill the dark, the dark holes of your heart. And that's where we were. But I, I've caught back up. I've, I've come back to where we are with episode seven of season two, The Candidate. Yes, I loved it. So Moira ponders a life in politics. A newly single Alexis hunts for a buddy to hang out with. And David and Stevie go drinking. So you liked, you, you felt good about these episodes. I did. I enjoyed, I enjoyed these episodes. Um, um, I think I liked... Well, I, I won't go into it. I was going to say, I think I liked um, episode. Oh, now I'm getting confused about which episode. So there's the time. candidate episode and the eight. Milk. Yeah, yes, I like the, the, mil- the, the, I like I the love, milk one better. It was I such a great episode. episode. But there's some really subtle things. There's some things that I really liked in the candidate episode mm-hmm. that I got. I Do we want to talk? Do we want to start? With, who do we want to start with? What? What? This is an episode with pretty straightforward pairings. Like, I, I yes. One of the things that I'm appreciating in the rewatch is seeing how the subplots pair off different characters. Mm-hmm. And I found this one interesting because it's very, we have a Johnny and Moira story, we have a David and Stevie story, yes. and then we have an Alexis and sort of Twyla, but not really story. So it's like the characters are in very, like, they're, they're... Are, are with the people you expect them to be with. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think to start, because this was what really t- struck me over both of these episodes. Okay. And this is, I'm going to have to contextualize this. I was actually finding myself really relating to Alexis, mm. which is amazing. Um, just in terms of as someone, I think you know this about me, who who is like falls somewhere in the middle of the extroverted introverted right. spectrum. I hate, I hate when people like demand that you pick one because yes. I think it is very possible to be you know, it's a spectrum it, to be both. Um, I am someone who needs to talk throughout everything, mm. but also spends a lot of time reading books by myself, you, right. you know, it, and, and it was watching her. And again, I was feeling bad for her because once again, it was like her family just does not believe that she has an inner life in many mm-hmm. ways. Um, yes. But she clearly is trying 
sincerely. Like she's actually yes. Twyla is basically giving her advice um, in a very kind way. Like I and I think Twyla absolutely would have the right to tell Alexis to. Um, I love. I loved Twyla in this episode awesome. because she's usually just so perky and mm-hmm. she she puts up with a lot from these people. She's <laughs> and, a waitress. Yes. Right. But a service industry, man. Yeah. But I mean, I thought she actually established, like she was, she was having a little boundaries she there. She appropriately pushed back. Good job, Twyla, on your boundaries when well, Alexis and, is wanting to hang out with Twyla after breaking up with Mutt. Well, and, and it just really underscores that in this particular moment, you know, Alexis is someone who needs to talk things through, but yes. she literally does not have anyone she can do that with. Yeah. Um, which, which really bummed me out. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and just also just how her living space is clearly reflecting her inner turmoil. Yes. Um, which I loved and I have been in the position as an aside of living in a very small space yeah. where no matter how hard you try, one thing out of place and it all just collapses. Yeah. Um, so I was actually very sympathetic to that. Point. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just, just watching her, she did it. It, she was, did. it was really kind of nice. She, like she succeeded in taking Twyla's very good advice that Twyla mm-hmm. gave far more kindly than I think most people would have. Um, or not most people would, but again, yeah. she would have been justified in being a little snappy uh, where Alexis is, you know, she did kind of steal Twyla's boyfriend. Um, yeah. Not that you can steal. That, that's weird. But, you know, I, don't know I, I loved it. And I was I was legitimately sort of relating to the push and pull of I, I need I know that I need to develop coping skills that are not <laughs> just endlessly talking things through. And that's what yes. she's trying to do is learn how to have a coping skill that isn't just keeping your life so full that you don't pause right. to, to think about emotions. And, and she did do it. I loved she it. She did it. She did yeah. it. She spent the evening by herself. And I appreciated that the episode just sort of let that be kind of a background moment, you know, yeah. instead of it didn't, it didn't dwell on her. You didn't have to see her alone in the yeah. hotel room figuring out what to do. It was just, yeah, it didn't linger. Did it. Yeah. I loved it. It was great. And, um, you know, and that and that storyline dovetailed with uh, nicely with David and Stevie, which I also appreciated because, as I've said before here, I really like when shows and media in general can figure out how to depict male and female friendship. Mm-hmm. I hate that so much media just makes it seem like male and female friendship is impossible, yep. is wrong, and I think also genuinely toxic. Um, mm-hmm. That that media doesn't depict male female friendships without constant will they won't they sexual tension right eat that yes absolutely um, and, and and as i complained before like it did bu- kind of bum me out when they got together but yeah. it's steered into a good direction a very different place and i liked it yeah i enjoyed it i really love miserable uh, that bar did look miserable <laughs> that is not our last trip to the wobbly elm however oh great uh and I, I love Stevie's line of she is going to have her needs met by someone who's cute enough to sleep with, but not mature or stable enough to marry. Right. <laughs> like that right. Was, there was a that level was a of line. honesty there that yes. I just really appreciated. Like she wasn't, sorry, she was not pretending to be no. doing anything less anything. than what she was doing. Yeah. And I liked, and I, I, I agree with you. I like how it kind of established, okay, the sexual tension is is no longer present between these two, and we we've 
they they explored it in the past they revisited it for a second and Mm -hmm. then we're like okay that's not the journey that we are on anymore and i appreciated it for for kind of closing that that door and i'm glad that that happened in season two episode seven and not season two episode two or one you know because that needed some space yeah it did and and it wouldn't have been if you were gonna do that if you're gonna have them get together then you need to at least honor it yeah you know i i i'm generally okay with shows dropping plot points that aren't working Yep. Like, I, I, I often appreciate that, of just being like, yeah, this isn't working, let's just drop it. But in the case of this one, it needed air. Yeah. And it was good. I liked it. The other the other moment that we need to talk about is when uh, David is trying to convince Alexis to come out with, or, or not even convince, but just assuming that she's mm-hmm. going to give up and come out and find them. The, uh, you know, the having the conversation about being abducted in the sketchy bar. Yes. And Alexis is, no, if anyone's supposed to get abducted in a sketchy bar, it's supposed to be me. And here's how you get out of it if you wake up with your hands duct taped together. <laughs> Like right. Alexis has whatever mysterious. I, I still like the Alexis Rose International Woman of Mystery supercuts that exist on YouTube, which are glorious. You know, the CIA recruits people <laughs> to be. You know, you don't have to be a full agent to be an exactly. Exactly. Um, um, you know, that was a, another example too of Alexis, where it's like, my God, no one believes in this woman. No. Oh no. my goodness. Um, and that's tough. That's tough to watch. Like, and, and they're being jokey about it, but it's like, but it's man, rough, right? Like they don't, they that. don't. Um, I would love to see someone believe in her. Yes. In some way. There's, there's, we got like four more seasons, Rachel. Yes, it's true. So let's talk about Johnny and Moira and the whole candidacy thing. Yeah. I thought this was an interesting, I thought the way this all played out was, was pretty interesting. It's an interesting dynamic in their marriage. Mm -hmm. Like watching them navigate this. Well, I liked the moment. So, you know, it's the story of, of they find out there's a seat on council. There's an assumption that Moira's going to run after her like triumph over council with the planters the week before. Uh, She, she demurs. Then Johnny decides, because, like, Johnny's trying to find his thing, right? Like, this whole season, clearly Johnny's story arc through this season is trying to find his new thing. Yeah. What his purpose is going to be. So then Johnny's like, this could be my purpose. And then Moira shoots him down because it's beneath him. And I think she's being sincere in that. I, I think, think she's so 100% too. sincere until she until it becomes about her versus Jocelyn, right? Until it becomes right. about not wanting Jocelyn to get it. And then she goes for it. And I, and I love that that back and forth between the two of them over uh, Johnny and Moira over coffee when it it's so awkward and then Johnny Johnny names it and it's just like how much longer are we going to do this bit where we <laughs> Where we go back and forth between right. us. And, and Moira's like, oh, a few more minutes. And they're like, okay. So, I mean, I do think it's a dynamic in their marriage, but I don't yes. think it's going to be a, like, I, it's not, it's not something that's going to become a thing between them. It's just, it's a, it's a moment. Yes. That I think I, is I, awkward. I, I love that. I love that moment of like, I've definitely been in that moment in marriage of just being like, hey, look, I'm annoyed right now. Yes. I don't think it's going to last longer than about 30 minutes. So just leave me be. <laughs> so like, let's just, let's just let that ride out. Let that yeah. ride out and then we'll move on. Yeah. I've definitely been there. Where it's like, just don't talk to me for the next half hour and it's fine. And I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to make a thing of it, but you know, 
It's cool. Yes. And, and I just, I love that. I, I love it. And, and I, I think in so many ways that was such a great, um, just a show of, again, of what a strong relationship they have that, yes. that they're able to do that. And there was a level of honesty there in, in a conversation where both people are just refusing to just out and out say what they want. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, and I like, and I, and then I want to talk about over and it, and it plays out over both of the episodes, I think is the Jocelyn Moira dynamic, right. Of, of what the relationship between these two women is. Cause I think, I think sort of similarly with Twyla, we're getting at something with Jocelyn of like just that tiny bit of pushback against mm-hmm the the these people that have entered into their lives and and I'm sure if you actually had to deal with any of the roses on a daily basis it would get kind of insufferable so I I find yeah go ahead oh no I was just gonna say like watching David and Stevie interact and I, I would say this about both characters so I think it's I think it's a fairly equal relationship but it's exhausting mm you know, it's like, oh my, I would not want a friendship like this personally, you know, it gets better. This. It gets, it gets, it well, gets better. but I just, I just think that's how all of these people yeah. interact right now. You know, it's yeah. just, just like sort of constant razzing. And by the way, I know people who have relationships like that. That's oh yeah. Kind of the fun, you know, I'm, I don't even mean it in a judgmental way, but it's just yeah. like, oh my goodness, this is, this is just. Well, and I think why it works with David and Stevie is that they, as kind of you point, like they're both in that place. Like they're yes. both they're both people that don't really have relationships with anyone else. So they can only relate to that other person who is equally insufferable to them. Um, and they, and I think they see that and acknowledge it in one another and are able to like, there's a, there's something then that, that kind of works there. Yes. Um, but I think for any, yeah, yeah. But for anyone else, it's, for these other like functional human beings, I think there is a, a kind of pushback. And I like that pushback between Jocelyn and Moira that happens, right? That's very, that feels very real and very human. Mm-hmm. And I, and, and there's a part of me that feels like, oh, do we have to make that the whole women again, like yeah. women cat fight aspect of it. But I think it's something deeper than that, right? Like that, that it's, it is about, navigating their relationship and and where they are with respect to the other person and and also just their relationship both of them are kind of negotiating their relationship to the town yeah you know i I mean jocelyn mentions i can't remember which episode it's in just talks about like she's clearly insecure about the idea that people are just going to assume that she's on council because her husband is yeah yeah uh, which correct, you know, I mean, that's not, that's not like an yeah. insecurity that is unfounded. That is, that is a valid take. Uh, and, but at the same time, she probably does kind of expect to a degree, like mm-hmm. uh, nobody's going to run against me. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's more, it's more complicated. These two characters sort of figuring out how they fit in and the limits of it is interesting. Yeah. It's really interesting. Uh, it is far more interesting than um, I can't remember if it was the Netflix description or the IMDb description. One of them to me, and I hate it. I hate when um, uh, descriptions inadvertently spoil things. Oh yes. But one of them made it seem like it was Johnny who was going to be running. Oh, interesting. And I was like, Oh no, that's disappointing. 
Ah, so did it, because, did it, were you, were you happy to find out that it was Moira? I was just, just because he, as you said, he is definitely on a journey right now and that's not the right answer for him. Right. I don't think, you know, that, that, um, I think that is a role that is very natural for him and I can mm-hmm. see why it would make sense to him to do that. But I don't think that it is it is the right thing. I don't think it's the right thing for the family um, for him to slot into kind of a traditional breadwinner yeah. role in the town. Well, also, how much this is this is where my experience as the wife of a small town politician <laughs> is we like these. Well, we have to, right? Like, right? how much do you? How much work are you doing every day? I cannot believe that the town of Schitt's Creek is any bigger than the town of Gambier, Ohio, and they don't Can't have be. a, and they don't have a college, right? <laughs> um, right. So, I. J'accuse. Citation needed in terms of how much daily work these people are going to do uh, on a, you know, on town council together. But I can understand a, a notion of a sense of purpose. But, you know, we're, we're talking about a monthly meeting here, right? And an occasional, right. a, a, a few subcommittees. But that said. Well, and I think Moira even names that. You know, I don't even think yes. she's being rude about it, where it's like, this isn't a full-time job. No. <laughs> you know, no. I, she doesn't have any illusions about that. No. Uh, which is, you know. Well, and again, I don't know how much Johnny is trying to find money or meaning, right? Which which right. is he looking for more, right? Is it yeah. is it making money and getting back his wealth, or is it claiming a sense of purpose and identity, um is is I feel like the deeper question. But and and he probably doesn't know, you know, because yeah. I think that is one of the things that is such can be so oppressive about the breadwinner identity uh for anybody is that yeah. when you've defined yourself by your ability to produce. Yep. How, you know, how do you dis- define lies of capitalism? You know? Well, and it's, and it's like the thing that we talked about last week is that, you know, he is not wrong that, that sometimes being a leader is about sitting around and thinking. Yes. Um, now you do need to turn it off and do stuff, <laughs> but mm-hmm. you know, I mean, uh, I have to work on two sermons today. Yeah. A lot of that's going to be pacing around my office. Yep. You know, um, that's, that's how that works and that's fine. You know, that's, that's totally fine. And that's, and that's normal and that's, that's work. Um, but yeah, for him though, it's, he knows that his thinking isn't producing anything. He's yeah. not stupid. I mean, that's, a, I think yeah. a big part of what this season has been about too, is that he does actually have business knowledge. It comes yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, And that's been fun to see, the little flickers of that, <laughs> um, you know, of, of that, that he does know how to bring an idea to fruition. But that's hard. That's mm-hmm. hard. It's hard to come up with an idea that makes sense. Yep. Um, bagels weren't it. We nope. know that. And to shift it to episode yes. two, raw milk is not it either. So the milk thing cracked me up because I have actually fairly recently read some stories about that lately there has been a rise in illegal milk sales in that's the Midwest. Hilarious. That is really funny. Of people wanting it and health officials being like, 
it's not illegal to punish people. Well, this this it's actually harder sh- than you think. Yeah, this, this isn't actually like having a chicken in your backyard with eggs. You know, this actually struck me as a very like Ontario. Yes, because like the I remember, like raw unpasteurized milk is much more of a like no, this is an illegal thing, and there are consequences for it. Um, in like the idea of having like black market milk and all of this. It, it, well, you know, and, you, and I was like, yeah. I was like, oh, right. This is the nanny state of, of, uh, of Ontario government, uh, gover- you know, the idea of a state regulated milk sales seems much more in fitting with like a Canadian context than in the Midwest where like how you regulate milk just feels much looser. It feels more distant. Yeah. Yeah. Although, you know, I do, maybe I heard about that in Austin. Maybe that's where Mm. it was, where there's been a rise in like. All the hipsters? Yeah, it's a hipster (laughs) thing, which is part of what cracked me up about. So, you know, the plot line is that um, Johnny just, you know, decides to sell his hand at milk by the pint, which is very reasonable. Pints are small. And Alexis, through Ted, who now has a motorcycle. Yeah, I, we need to talk about crisis. I, I want to talk about your feelings on the return of Ted. But I don't um, know. Do I laughed talk, hard. Do you want to talk about great. that first? or Yeah, let's uh, talk about that first. Okay. Because it's a, I mean, I actually thought it was Mutt. Um, oh, okay. Pulled up to Alexis first. And I was like, wow, did, did is Mutt like going to come back with, yeah, a motorcycle no it's ted who looks like he's in full midlife crisis mode and i loved it Uh, it actually i forgot now i forgot that it's just one little scene of ted that we get in this episode so that's not yeah so there's there's more ted to come right but it was it was still it was still funny i i chuckled at it like it was very funny seeing him with his with his motorcycle and because i i don't think ted can do every anything halfway no, um, no, 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 know, no, no. He has to go instead of just being, you know, like, well, this relationship was brief and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He has to like go on a journey of self-discovery. And I loved yes. it. Um, the whole thing was great. <laughs> and a motorcycle. It, it made me smile. Yeah. And it involved a motorcycle that he was able to get because he was able to get his full money back for the ring. No, no, he didn't get, he didn't, he didn't get, get that's, that's sadder. He says oh, like no. they gave me almost my full money back oh, on the no. ring. So it's just so sad. As I say, cackling. I say cackling. It's so sad for Ted. Once I realized it was Ted, I had this brief moment of hoping, and maybe this wouldn't work for him. Maybe I I don't want this, but hoping that he had like a full beard, like Mutt's beard. Oh, Um, yes. But he did not. He did not. Just the scruff. Just the scruff. Yes. Yes. He's just got some like nice motorcycle stubble, um, which was great. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was was very fun. And I loved... um, Poor Alexis having to call him to buy milk. Um, by the yeah. way, side tangent. Um, my husband and I went through this buying honey not too long ago. Oh, we were okay. Honey did you buy raw meat. honey? Oh, you were uh, buying we raw did. honey because you were making meat. Yeah. Right, right. We still have a ton of it because we, <laughs> when I texted him, like, how much do you want me to buy? Because I was just like at this in these people's backyard. Like, how much honey yes. do you want me to buy? Um, and it turns out we got our wires crossed where I bought can't remember i think we needed 20 quarts and instead i bought like 20 gallons oh no um it's not as bad as you think because fortunately it was unpasteurized honey it's it's gonna last and we discovered some old-fashioned mead recipes where literally it's nothing but 
water and honey. So mm. you do need a lot. So it was okay. But I come back with it and he's like, uh, you said I am, I am like, I am fully on Alexis's side with this. I yeah. do not blame yeah, her at totally. all. Like Johnny, Johnny pressured her into yeah. like following up with Ted and doing this. And she clearly wasn't like fully on board with doing it anyway. And did not, I don't know. I am. No, I agree. It would have been one thing for him to be like, "Hey, can you ask me if he knows anybody?" Also, and it's a small enough town that he could have just reached out himself. Yeah, yeah. Like it's the town is small. That said, one of the things that cracked me up, like the hipster element of it. My first thought, looking at Alexis, is like she could totally pass herself off as um, like a hipster. You know, no, I'm using this milk to make. I don't know yogurt or something yes exactly <laughs> you know like she just she has the look you know of, of like a hipster farmer not like a true farmer yep um i love johnny's line um where the officer is asking him you farm in that suit and he says when the weather is good i loved that yeah yeah that's great um reminded me of did you watch 30 rock i did not all the way th- i gave up at some point but that's i fair. watched a lot of it that's fair because it definitely um, flags in the later seasons. But it reminded me of Jack Donaghy's line where he's putting on a tux. At oh Nicole yes, and she's asking I, why. Like, what am I a farmer? I'm, it's after six. What am I a farmer? Yeah, yes, it's a great yes, line. So yes, good. it's perfect. Written by Donald Glover, um, just to make it even better. But yeah. yeah, that that whole sequence of events of watching them have to dump out the illegal four hundred dollars worth. Of yes. illegal milk was was tragic, and I do love the idea of the police having checkpoints to check for just such things. Uh, the other bit of Canadian I had to note in this episode is Johnny makes a reference at some point, I, or maybe she, I can't remember. I just made a note, and now I can't remember who said it. But there was a reference to the Queen's birthday, mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, everybody doing something on the Queen's birthday, and I was like, there you go. There's a little that's right. A little Moira Commonwealth said it. tribute. Oh, it's the, she said Moira she hasn't said it. Okay. smiled since the seventies. Oh, yes. So, and she hasn't smiled since the 70s. Yes. yes. So. Which makes it okay that Moira is not approachable. Yes. There um, you go. That's what it was. Because she was, she had a candidate's breakfast. Yes. Which was amazing. I kind of wish we'd seen a little bit more of the candidate's breakfast. It sounded delightful where they were serving cupcakes for yes. breakfast. Always a good choice. Uh, especially in a pandemic that's I just I find me. myself anytime I'm watching a show where there's any kind of event now there's like there's like two two feelings at war within me one is ah people and then the other right. is I just want to go to a function I want to go any to any function. kind of fun- yeah. any function I don't care what it is just please right. let me right. go to a function where food is served to me and there are people just and there is purpose so yeah, there's well, a little bit I was planning a future function today, kind of, and it just Ooh. feels weirdly subversive, you know, where it's like, we're going to be able to do this. Are we? Are we? Right. Are we? And then there's this are little we? voice in my head that's like, don't get excited, Rachel. Yeah. Don't get excited. But I am. Excellent. Which is probably good. Actually, that's probably good. But yeah, no, it was... Um, this was the episode where Jocelyn goes to the newly revamped Blouse Barn, which, oh my goodness. What did you uh, I said before revamped? that I'm really rooting for David in this job. <laughs> I think he may have gone a step too far. 
Yes. Um, he's drifting into like. I'm like, is was this store designed by Tim Burton? Is what I think yeah. when I go in there. Versus like an Ann Taylor. Yes, exactly. which I feel like is achievable. You know, yes, like an Ann exactly. Taylor vibe versus like, yeah, were there. There were crows. crows. There were a lot of crows. Okay, good. Yes, there, yes, was, there were definitely so. crows. It was, and like black feathers everywhere. Yes. And to be fair, the clothes looked great. And they did. And he did style Jocelyn yeah. very well. Except um, he told her not to wear the blazer with the with He the did. And he was very offended <laughs> that she did the matchy-matchy black on top, black on bottom. Um, yeah. But it, she looks great. He even got her to change up her hair to be yes. a little more modern, which was amazing. I would love to know where she got her hair done. Yeah. Um, as we've established... <laughs> The salon has one look. Yeah, and it's and it was Jocelyn's former look. But yeah, it it, it was fun. It was also fun watching David try to give Jocelyn advice without betraying his mother. Yes. Um, but of course, his mother noticed immediately <laughs> who had styled Jocelyn. I also love that, that Jocelyn's plan to be more approachable is to just get the Jazza Gals drunk. Yes. Um, to just... You mean Moira's plan? Moira's plan. Oh yeah, so, Moira's yes. plan. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, there's um, I which say, Ronnie is like on board with. Ronnie, is, well, I, I want to say like there has been a through line here, because um, like there's I noted something in the candidate episode of just like Ronnie likes Moira, and now I can't remember yes. what I was referring to. Um, but no, like Ronnie is on, there's a moment, right? Yeah. And there is a uh, she's the one who approaches Moira after the town council meeting in the previous episode to say like good work and i like i think ronnie is on board with like moira rose as a human yeah. being i think ronnie is and and this actually i've heard the actress say this in interviews that like ronnie just really likes moira <laughs> and it's fascinating to see how like how much that is a through line and played through e well, even and, in these episodes. I love and it. And to be fair, and I was thinking about this afterwards, it makes sense to me that Ronnie wouldn't want one family to have. Yeah. How many seats are there? Five. Well, I mean, how much? Uh, four, because Roland four. has one of them. It's yeah. Roland, Bob. It's Roland, Bob, Ronnie, and then the seat the formerly held seat. by Ray. Yeah. And she uh, can't, I mean, it's clear she doesn't really like, I mean, she thinks Roland's an idiot too, right? So, right. Um, no, I think she would be happy to have Moira. else. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, it's interesting. It, it was interesting watching that yeah. um, that play out because the direction was clearly steering us towards Ronnie is on board with this. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. I, I loved it. Um, that was that was a lot of fun. And um, yeah, watching watching Moira desperately try to be to relate to the common woman. Yes, was just amazing, and you know, poor, trying to use poor Stevie as a one woman focus group. <laughs> I love that. Oh my goodness, poor Stevie! Like that was that was just amazing, and you know, her outfits are just. Well, I love Stevie's comment of like, "I would vote for you because you wore that to the candidates." <laughs> Just very Stevie. Just very yes. Stevie. Yes. It was it was very good and Moira's definitely picking up on all the sarcasm. And I just I loved David being put in the middle with the blouse barn. I'm I'm really curious to see how the blouse barn goes. Oh just um, it just 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 go, come along for the ride. Oh I know, I'm ready. I'm ready for it. I love it. And um yeah, it was episode this episode was one of those ones that for me moved fast like narratively yeah. where where I was sort of uh and this is always a compliment from me I was sort of surprised when it was over mm. 
yeah you know that well they uh, say I, i've said this before but like one of the things that they do is i feel like they fit 40 minute drama plot lines in 20 minute sitcom yeah. episodes and like so i feel like very often Shit's creek's episodes are very full Den- yeah they can be densely Dense. plotted Dense. which is not yeah. not a problem and, and again that's a compliment to how well it just means the they're very I, th- I think what i would say is they're very economically written right mm-hmm. like there's just a lot the scenes and the dialogue is well chosen to just do a lot efficiently well like like alexis in the last episode you know you don't show you show her getting from point a to exactly point B and you exactly. don't have to show everything in between yeah which is smart you know you don't have to dwell on um table setting i guess exactly which, which precisely is something i always appreciate in in shows um when they can when they can figure out that balance. Well, and also it's been interesting how and we we comment on this how occasionally the characters stories interact but not yes. always yeah uh and and so it's it's been kind of amazing that each character feels like does get a distinct plot line in each episode yes yes um I feel like there's usually three plot lines mm-hmm. and then the characters are, and, and I think, you know, I, I mentioned that the candidate episode was an interesting one because the pairings were predictable, right? right? You had Johnny Moira, David and Stevie, and then Alexis off on her own. And this one I think is one that they shake things up, right? You mm-hmm. get, I thought the, the Johnny Alexis Roland yeah. mini adventure was delightful, right? Because you really don't see Alexis and Roland together no. at all. Right. And then, you know, to have Moira, to, uh, to have um, David and Jocelyn was interesting. Having having some some yeah. screen time together. And then because I don't think we've really seen David and Jocelyn no. outside of that one episode where she gets him to come talk to her classroom. I was actually getting very. Oh, yeah. And when she sets him up with that. Yeah. Not sets him up, but you know, asks hasn't him to talk, talk to that talk to that one student. Yeah, yeah, um, as like a mentor, sort of. Um, but yes. the worst episode of season one, that one. But anyway, uh, I, when, when when Jocelyn came in to the blouse barn, I was really worried that he was going to be mean to her because I did not want that. Well, again, I don't think David is fundamentally a mean. There, there, I, and I think I've quoted this line to you before, and it's from the series finale. So I, you know, I, I, it's from like literally the end right. of the show. But Moira has a line of David can be like he can be hurtful, but it's all fear based. Mm-hmm. And I just I feel like it's such a line that sums up David. He is, and the and the show explores this over the the coming yes. seasons of how much he's been hurt by people and how deeply sensitive he is. And I think, like, fundamentally, I actually believe David Rose is a fully decent human being, but just has so much guard up. Mm -hmm. And so I I think the fact that he is not mean to Jocelyn and actually kind of helps her is who David is. Yeah. Like, fundamentally. But, right, but he's so, he's protecting himself oh, so Oh, fully, fully. You know, that, that he, and also to be fair, in that situation, he, he knows his mother's gonna, yeah. this will yes. get back to her. Yeah. So, so in fairness yeah. to him, there is a <laughs> lot going on there. But, I mean, more, like, in these episodes, in his interactions with Alexis, it's like, oh my goodness, dude, be nice to your sister. I know, I know. <laughs> like, I yes. realize that, that she has... In her own way of self-protecting, her way of self-protecting yeah. is by being ridiculous. Well, being ridiculous, know, and she's been off by her, right? 
being yeah. ridiculous and it's a different kind of it's a different type of self-protection of like I'm just gonna go off and be adventurous and be on my right. own and and I and not think, hold on to anything too and not hold on strongly. to anything and I think in a weird way it's people thinking she's stronger than she is right yeah, it's people thinking oh you're just you're you're just Alexis you go off and have your advent and this oh there's an episode oh there's an episode in season three when David and Alexis have a conversation and I think it I think it speaks into it's so like we just need to like I'll remember this when we get to right. that episode and right. bring it up that there yeah. is a there is a great there's just a great conversation between the two of them it's one of my favorite conversations between the two of them and I think it's just she's Alexis she takes care of herself and so it's not even that people are trying to not believe in her but just don't even see her as as having vulnerability and and right. like that that she would actually be upset about anything so that's I think that's some of the dynamic yeah, that's interesting. Uh, that, yeah, and, the, and that in some ways, I think someone like David, who is so insecure, would look at someone mm -hmm. like her and think, well, you're fine. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I can say that, you know, in my own life, I've been guilty of that, of looking at mm -hmm. other people and being like, well, your life is perfect. <laughs> yeah. You well, know? and you never show, and what you never you show need? the, you never show the weakness, you never, sh you never reach out, you never show, you like, you know, it's, you don't, you don't indicate that you need us. So I'm just going to assume that you don't. Right. And, um, and that's, and that's the tricky thing is that it's so important yeah. in relationships to believe people when they say they need or don't need something. Yeah. But, you know, this is a great example of someone who is clearly in desperate need of real connection and not the kind of um, weak, false connection that, that yeah. I think she goes for. Um and just nobody in her life, she, she just doesn't know how to articulate it. And the people in her life yeah. are not looking at her and saying, you know, you don't need another mutt in your life. Yeah. You know, yeah. you need real relationship. Mm -hmm. It's great. It's good stuff. Um, Excellent. I, I love getting, the comedy in both of these episodes. It was yeah. very fun. It was fun watching, um, very fun watching Alexis try to help Johnny and Roland get through well, yeah, and then talking about when I went so through ready. when I went through checkpoints in Johannesburg and right. Johnny's like, when were you in Johannesburg? You were 14. <laughs> <laughs> and I just I love man, yeah. Eugene Levy's eyebrows deserve an yes. Emmy because just just the way his reaction shots to Alexis in that scene in the truck are just uh, gold, gold. Right. I love it so much. Oh, anyway, yeah, that was that was really great. What did she say? It's just like she said. It's just like a drive-through, but everyone has guns. Yes, it was yes. so good. It was so good. When I was when the when I was in Belize and I was there with a bunch of um, priests from the Anglican Church in Belize, uh, and I had been prepared for this because the diocese had done a great job of hooking me up with people, so I wasn't surprised. But going through my first checkpoint, all of a sudden there was like this panic of a bunch of people turning around and being like. So they have semi-automatics. Don't freak out. Right. And then we were there and I was like, what? <laughs> it was very, but these were other Americans. Yes. Uh, and, and I was like, no guys, it's okay. I've been primed, but it was just very right. funny. Like just this last second panic of just people who, who just hadn't thought about it. And so I, I think part of my amusement there was, was from that memory bubbling up. Um, yes. It was, it was very good. Yeah. Good episodes. Well, I had a lot anything? of fun. I would say both of these were, um, Solid three and a half to four. 
Yeah, I would say solid four. Maybe the first one, three and a half. Milk yeah, money first four. One, I love the. I love. Uh, there's just so much good stuff, and the return of Ted in Milk Money gets yes. a, gets a boost from me. Um, but and just I like that. It's it's almost hard to rank these two episodes separately because they so they fold into each other. The arc. Well, and I don't so know many what the episodes have been self-contained, and yes. these two are very much not. I think Schitt's Creek does an interesting job of as it goes on of like having. I like television that that is both serialized and episodic, right? I like television where you can sit down and you're like, I want to watch this episode because I know it has this yes. story and that, that it will be a good structured episode of television. But but there is a moving there is a movement of how these how the plot is gonna go and how the characters will gonna are gonna change. And I don't like television, you know, that's just episodic, procedural, whatever. Right. Or that's so serialized, the episodes don't have a distinctive shape. Yeah. And I, and I feel like... watching very hard. Yeah. So I like, I like this because the, the episodes, I feel like, have contained stories, but still advanced plot and advanced character points. And I think, these, and I think we're seeing that in these episodes. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I really I really appreciate it. I appreciate um, having light continuity. Yes. Yes, light continuity. That's good. And like character-driven continuity. Yes. Yeah. So. Good episode. Anything else to add? No, that's it. Um, we are going to try to do three episodes next week for kicks because... For, oh, <laughs> it's Holy Week. What I could go saying, wrong? Yeah. What could go wrong? Do we want to do that? I, I, feel like, I, th- I think because I feel, we've established it today. Actually, yeah. honestly, I probably can because I'm recording yeah. a lot of Holy Week this weekend. Oh, okay. There you go. The current context. So I don't know about right. you, but no. Um, I, I well, actually, I mean, we're doing everything live. So this weekend, no one should expect much from me. But come Monday, Tuesday, I'll be all right. Good to Let's go. do. I like. I this gives me joy. This is this is like helping me hold on to the awesome. bare bare grasp of any kind of emotional well-being that i have at the moment so let's uh let's do it and then we will finish up after easter we will finish up with and i feel like the i don't want to oversell it but i love Mm -hmm. the season finale Uh, the season two finale is one of my favorite episodes so that is um so yeah, that's where we are. We are the Revs Rachel. You can find you can email us at the the Revs Rachel at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter, the Revs Rachel. And we're on all of the all of the things where awesome. podcasts can be found. Uh, drop us a review or something yes, like that if you do, since that's where that we are help now. People find us. Um, but have a good have a good week. Happy Palm yeah. Sunday coming up. Yeah. And um I was going to say something, but I just got really tired, which I think is very telling. <laughs> that sounds right. That sounds about right. I love it. Week. I love it. Yeah. Yes. It's great. Good. Have a good day. Yes. Have a good one. And we will see you soon.